it for the Below the Yellow Line studio. It's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Below the Yellow Line podcast. I mentioned it this morning, but it has been a flurry of interviews over the past few days, and we are honored to have another very special guest with us today. Uh, Gary, if you would, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Hey, everybody. My name is Gary Camp. I work here at Dover Motor Speedway, or I'm the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. It is very hard to tell what track you work at, judging by all the Miles the Monster right. statues and memorabilia behind oh. you. Look at, all, look at all my toys in full effect in the background. Oh, goodness. Yeah, lots, of, lots of miles back there. I just realized that, uh, yeah, maybe too much miles. There can never be too much miles, in my opinion. I don't know. Some of the drivers might not feel that way when they're sliding off the turn four wall. Um, yeah. But we just know. moved into some new offices, and so I, I'm unpacking it. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. Like, this doesn't fit at home right. <laughs> and in the office, it just looks like maybe too much, so... Next time we talk, I might have a different background. It's always so fun, like for me, whenever I move houses and I kind of get to move in a new studio, and then you know I'm like, oh, it's gonna be great. Let's set up all my stuff, all my pictures, and then you realize, oh, I have a lot more stuff than I actually realize I did. And uh, yeah, it, it, it accumulates for it sure. Really I've been I've been here 19 okay. years. 19 years. The tracks we've been at this for almost 55 years at the track, and so through the process of moving offices, we've unboxed a lot of really cool stuff that um, is going into our archives. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a kind of a cathartic process getting all <laughs> cleaned out and getting organized and uh, getting ready for next year already. Yeah, if there is a one thing that makes me realize, well, it makes me feel old, but it makes me realize how long I've been an NASCAR fan too, every time I unpack stuff and I'm just like, oh gosh, I have so many pictures and way too many diecast cars and hats and shirts and everything. It is just crazy how much yeah. stuff. Um, right, and what really do you do with it all, right? Exactly. Yeah. Might have to fire up the old eBay.com and uh, get selling some stuff, make some extra money because there's a lot of it just collecting dust. Um, yep. But you said it yourself, you've been here 19 years. You have been at this a long time. How did you first get into this line of work? So I worked for a few ad agencies and one of our clients was the hotel and casino, um, formerly known as Dover Downs. It's now called Bally's Dover. Uh, so I used to help those guys out with public relations and marketing. Um, and then another piece of that responsibility was the the motorsports operation. So I was kind of an assistant to the guy who um, had the job that I used to have on the public relations side here at the Speedway. He went on to work for Nextel when they kind of came into the sport. And so it opened the door for me as a fairly young guy to slide into the role of director of public relations at the Speedway. And it's been, uh, been a fun ride. It's evolved. My job you know, has expanded and responsibilities have changed over the years. I'm, um, you know, just wear a bunch of different hats now, but, uh, but it's been a, it's been a fun experience, uh, for sure. Being a part of it all. Yeah. Did, was it really, uh, that, that ad agency part, did, was there a party that really wanted to do something like in racing or was it just kind of your, your knowledge of, of business and marketing and, and communications that kind of helped you get in? Well, like a lot of young folks working in sports is pretty sexy. <laughs> so that was always a, a, a draw, right? I was always fascinated with, the business of the sport for sure. You know, I didn't grow up as a, a motorsports fan per se. I went to a few events here and there, but I was a baseball, basketball guy in high school and um, was kind of focused on stick and ball sort of sports. And then found my found my path um, this way. I was quickly kind of enamored with the perspective that I had 
fortunately as a you know a younger person right out of school was to be inside the oval looking out right so i you know a lot of people and, and maybe people that are listening to us talk know better but a lot of people just think about nascar as the driver it's a car and a driver and the driver is the celebrity and he's the guy that makes it all go but then when you really start to understand the sport and the industry and the circus that moves from town to town every weekend and the opportunities that lend themselves you know we've got a crew here in dover of 35 people give or take and it's all different facets of skills that are required to make this place go it's a business right so we've got a crew that are focused on accounting and finance and and they work in sports too but they're doing what they do and so I quickly understood that there was an opportunity to um, be involved on the marketing and the communications and the public relations and the promotion side of the sport. Um, and I was always kind of interested in that. And then the fact that we were just hosting big old parties where lots of people came out and had fun. And um, I became a fan very quickly. The industry is very welcoming and you start to build relationships and you know the same folks that, you know, there's a lot of people that I've just been dealing with since I started that they were starting at the same time and we still, you know, are sort of uh, still interconnected. Well, it's great to hear. And, you know, going back to what you said about the drive, you know, people think it's just the driver. You know, we always say that with the individual race team, like, yeah, there's a picture and everything too. But with the at-track people, it's not just the officials. It's not just, you know, uh, David Hoots and the people up in the, the NASCAR box yeah. calling the races. It is a whole group of people um, behind yeah. it. And that's what makes it, it so neat. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. I mean, it's... Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but Dover was always um, not an independent because we owned a bunch of tracks and we were publicly traded. And but we were always sort of on a little island in that we weren't part of the the ISC now now NASCAR or the Speedway SMI now Speedway Motorsports kind of families, right? We were kind of an outlier to that, much like Pocono and maybe Indy and Gateway and some of those are. And so it's been cool to be a part of this this family now of tracks with Speedway Motorsports and to have someone that does my role at all the other racetracks that, that allows us to collaborate more. And it just gives you more perspective on um, different ways to do different things. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but we were always in our in our heads and very focused on doing the best job we could here at Dover. We didn't really care so much about what was going on at the other venues. But now that we're part of this family, we can get kind of a look behind the curtain and see like, oh, look at look at what Atlanta's doing that's really working. And we can apply that here at Dover. And it, there's just a lot of um, opportunities that being a part of the Speedway Motorsports family has afforded us. That's great. You know, the more the more the merrier, for sure. The next question I, I have for you, and you know, I know you're you're kind of you know, you're busy all the time. You know, I feel like this is a job that never really takes off and you know I see every weekend you know tweets and social media posts going out from tracks where races aren't you know promoting other races and promoting things upcoming but how would you say that your job differs in terms of I guess workload or uh, busyness from a a race weekend you know there's one two race weekends a year to a non-race weekend which is the other you know 50 weeks of the year yeah yeah of course that's always the thing we get right is like that's a full-time job you guys only have that one weekend um and of course, it's kind of, it's the most popular thing we get from like young kids when we talk about what we do for a living. It's hard for them to wrap their head around it, but we don't just open the gates and fans roll in and then we close the gates and then we, you know, do it again next year. It's really a, it's a year long process getting ready. As soon as our last race ended, we're evaluating what went well, uh, what went wrong, what we could do better. And we're already moving forward towards 2024 right now. We're in a big discussion 
discussion, of course, with uh, with the sanctioning body about what our, our date might be for next year. We've been challenged a little bit here in Dover with some weather the last couple races. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I know everyone kind of has a position on the schedule where they'd like to be, but we're having those discussions to see if we can maybe improve our chances of not having a little bit of rain on race weekend. But um, it, like I say, it's, it's a lot of work on a year round basis. It's a pretty small team that hosts, you know, uh, a, a large contingent of NASCAR fans. And we're just always trying to think of things that we could be doing better and improving um, upkeep of a facility, as you can imagine, of our size is a challenge and is a year, a year long endeavor to try to, um, you know, just keep improving the facility and keep creating new experiences for fans when they come back for us at the track level. NASCAR sort of brings the competition piece, right? And they they do that so well, and um, and we don't really worry about that as much. As our, our our facilities team is preparing the surface and making sure that we've got the the boxes checked in terms of safety and and, and what we provide when the sport comes to town. But our focus in my world and, and with my team is the um, is really everything outside of the bowl. So that's the fan experience. It's there's nowhere you can go see a race where you can see a 46 foot tall monster, right? So we hang our we hang our hat on Miles and how different he is. That's a real a big point of differentiation for us is um, the monster and the monster monument. There's a lot of folks that just come and see us. As you might imagine, there's a lot of bucket list fans, right? Where they travel the circuit and they like to visit all the tracks and, and being able to, to take a photo in front of that monster monument with the, with the full-size car in his hand um, is sort of an iconic image um, for race fans. And so we're proud of that. But but all the fun that happens out by the big monster is is, is a focus of ours. So we've got, we think, the, the best fan zone in the sport. We've got an eight-acre piece of land that we always try to activate and make different and fun and engaging for fans when they come to Dover. And we feel like we, we do a great job with that. Live music, um, driver appearances, just all the things that you might come to expect, but we're always trying to think of what's next. Uh, this last race, we had the world's largest moon bounce here. It was a, an absurdly large structure that holds the Guinness Book of World Records for size. And we had that set up for free for fans on race weekend. Um, and we did a lot of promotion around that, but it's always what's the next big thing that we can be doing to innovate and um, create ourselves as a destination for race fans. Well, that's great. And speaking of that moon bounce, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I remember Fox came back from a commercial break during that race, and they showed Bob Pockris uh, yeah. having some fun in it. So it's great to know that you know even kids that are just kids at heart, like Bob, can, can still have some fun. That um, was great, right? I, the giant I, moon I, I'm friends with Bob, and uh, we, we he always has that video queued up on his phone, and anytime he runs into me, he likes to show everybody else what he was doing when he was in Dover, and uh, that poor girl that he took down, I guess her mom was a fan, and she thought it was just the greatest that Bob Pockers was in there, kind of knocking her daughter down. She, was, she wasn't she was hurt, she was fine. She signed the release, the liability <laughs> release, but, uh, but she got a big kick out of that, the girl not so much. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked about all the all the great racy moments that have happened at Dover. I think that the moon bounce clip of Bob Pockris is probably all the promotional <laughs> y'all need for the rest of the time. Just Miles and Bob Pockris. That that's all I would I would agree. Anybody needs. I would agree. Um, Bob Bob this Bob has become quite a, a legend no, of sure. the spirit in his own right. For sure. I mean, he he's a pretty good journalist, but that moon bounce clip is superior. Yeah, um, he's really put himself out there lately. <laughs> 
Aside from Bob Pachris, uh knocking over a child on the moon bounce, what has been your favorite either on-track moment or like, you know, big, like inside accomplishment that you and your team have been able to accomplish? Uh, a couple things, I guess. Um, I've always been really proud of the work that we've done with the autism community. So we've yeah. had um, for many years here a great relationship with Autism Delaware um, and Autism Speaks as a national organization through our friend Artie Kempner with Fox Sports. Uh, and so we've just done some really great things over the years with them, creating kind of a sensory friendly room where um, folks with autism could come and be part of be part of the experience, but have sort of a, um, a special experience that, that makes them comfortable at the race. That was something that was, um, we took a lot of pride in that for many years and continue to offer those sorts of things. And then um, I guess most memorable is I was here as a very young man working at that ad agency for the 9-11 race. So we were the first, we were the first race back after 9-11, after the pause in New Hampshire. And um, it's just such a memorable event with Dale, Dale Jr. Um, pulling off the win, uh, the fans in the stands stomping, uh, chanting, uh, Lee Greenwood sang, Tanya Tucker sang, Cal Ripken was our grand marshal that day. Um, and it was just such a, it was such a, a special moment where the NASCAR community came together to kind of help the entire nation heal after those terrorist attacks. So. That was pretty special and one that, that fans still talk about um, as being kind of their most memorable Dover memory. And then, of course, in recent years, you know, we celebrated our 50th anniversary and had a lot of fun with that, looking back at the past and all the things that we've done here. Um, so we've had lots of good times, that's for sure. Lots of it, it, it's funny how time flies. Right. And some of these race weekends start to all blend together in your head. But then you don't forget um a lot of the, the things you, you always try really hard to slow down a little bit during race weekend and take it all in almost like your wedding day where you're supposed to like take a moment stand in the corner and kind of look out at the crowd we try to do that on race weekend and make sure that we enjoy it a little bit we get a little stress making sure that everything goes well and that we um cross all of our t's and dot all of our i's but we try really hard to, to also appreciate what we do for a living that we are a venue and we host this giant party and we allow people to come here and make memories right so not a lot of uh, jobs afford you that opportunity absolutely it's a really special part of, of what you guys get to do so you were talking just a second ago about how cool it is uh, to see the fans there in the last couple of years you guys had great crowds I remember last year especially Sunday was probably the most packed I have ever seen Dover Motor Speedway and that was great to see but two years earlier, in 2020, there weren't any fans allowed to be in those stands. <laughs> had to do a double header weekend. You had to hold two cup races in two days. I think two Xfinity races in two days. I'm sure that probably blends together yeah. too. But how does. chaotic, it, you know, the part that you can remember anyway, was it trying to schedule all of that madness on the same day too that the Indy 500? Yeah had to run so you had to hurdle that too but how crazy was it to schedule all those races for one yeah COVID was challenging on a variety of levels for people that's for sure and um those race weekends were just unreal right because we're so accustomed to hosting fans and and creating um an event that's so fan centric and so to be honest for me in my, my world it was 
incredibly easy because we weren't we weren't dealing with um, a lot of the things that we normally are dealing with, right? Like I was in the media center and there were like four people in the media center and we're all masked up. Um, before the before the race, I'm a big cornhole guy. I was out on pit road playing cornhole, um, just taking taking a little break because I could. Certainly there were things that had to be done from a um, competition side and the media and the drivers and their availabilities and those things. But in terms of like what what that actual race day was like compared to what it's normally like, it was um, it was pretty relaxing to be honest. But so disappointing, right? That we weren't able to deliver that experience for those people. Uh, and our TV numbers were up, and people were watching from home, and um, everybody. The, the racing was great, if I if I remember that race, those races correctly. The races were great, but it was just different and. Uh, you know, I hope we never go back to that because the best part of our job is sort of creating a unique experience for folks. And when there was no one here, it was eerie. It was it was strange to have cars on the track and the garage full of teams and nobody in the stands to see it live. So people yeah. always say NASCAR is the best fan experience in sports, just with all that you can do. But I can't imagine how weird it would be, especially for someone like you who'd been doing it for so long, seeing all those fans and then right suddenly have nobody there i mean it's a ghost town all you can hear is the engines there is no crowd you know there are no you know autograph sessions or anything like that it just must have been a really uh really odd feeling yeah i thought it was pretty cool though even though we you know we state mandate um we weren't allowed to host people people still showed up and they were outside the grandstand kind of listening watching uh we had to politely ask them to disperse but uh, it was pretty cool to see that uh, almost like a Taylor Swift concert, if you will, where people are just hanging out outside and they couldn't get a ticket. It was that um, for race weekend, which was pretty neat. Well, it's great to see that, you know, so many people, you know, love that track that much that that's what they're um, that's what they're willing to do. And clearly people do love the track long enough for it to sustain because the year prior, you guys celebrated it, the track's 50th anniversary in 2019. How cool was it to be a part of the group that that did that? And how neat was it for you to say, hey, I've been here for a, a good amount of these years. You know, I I helped be a part of this track's history. Yeah. No, that was a special event for sure. From wearing my marketing hat, it's always great to have something like that to to work with, right? To be able to, to go back and create a, um, a video series that highlights all of the history when this place was built and Richard Petty was dominating and then the Jimmy Johnson era right where he was starting towards his 11 wins and to celebrate all those moments and those guys are so gracious with their time we did a, a bunch of really cool Q&A's where we had Bobby Allison and Richard Petty with their seven wins and Jimmy Johnson and Daryl Waltrip we had all these guys on stage telling stories about Dover and what they remembered about their first experiences here um, so it was just really neat for certainly for uh, avid fans who are passionate about the sport and understand the significance and the history of all that. It was cool to have a, a giant crowd out in our um, in our Grove area near the monster for those Q and A's and those things that we did. Um, so yeah, we're, we we certainly take a lot of pride in being part of history. I think we're only um, there's only ten tracks that have run as many races as we have in the history of the sport, and so. Um, we love that we're, you know, we present racing in the Northeast for so many avid race fans. There's just so many passionate race fans that live within a drive's distance of us, right? Um, our, our media markets are Philadelphia, Baltimore, New York City. 
we get a ton of fans from like the Harrisburg, York, Lancaster areas of Pennsylvania. Um, and so just where we are in the kind of mid-Atlantic, it's just an easy drive from a lot of big markets. So um, to be able to, to be a part of the sport and on the schedule for so long is something that, um, you know, we really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. My last question for you here. Um, how were, so Dover, it's just one race year now in the regular season, but y'all did for a few years there in the mid 2010s. Uh, have some playoff races and i believe for a couple of years you were the cutoff race i remember jimmy johnson blew, the, blew a motor in 2015 at his best track and he knocked out in the first round but uh were the playoff weekends any different for you in terms of uh or or uh, against the, the regular season weekends or were they pretty normal and for a race weekend you know it's always fun to be a part of those races where there's something extra on the line um so we enjoyed that that when we were part of the you know the final races of the year but in general you know yeah we have so many fans that that will choose well, back in the day would choose one weekend over another we didn't have a ton of overlap it was really totally different audiences that would come to those races some fans love that used to love that june date and then other fans love to be there in the fall and so it was just a different audience so i, I can't say that the being a part of the chase or the or the, the playoffs um drove uh, a ton of difference it was just another extra thing that we could market around that you know for four it's over at dover it was like our catchphrase yeah, for years. and so it was neat to have that and we we love that extra little little nudge to get fans out to be to be part of that but um yeah that was a that was a good time for sure i remember that for four it's over in dover and then i, I think i went to 2014 2015 those talladega races and i think it was for four they're done in Dega, and then I think Phoenix was the cutoff race. I can't remember. I think maybe for four, they're done in the desert or something like that. Sounds NASCAR's, right. Uh, yeah. NASCAR's puns yeah. were uh, were on full display there, and they always yeah. they always did a great job. Yeah. Um, have, now, have you been to Dover? I have not been to Dover. We did live kind of in that Harrisburg, Lancaster area for about a oh, year. Oh, come on. Um, I went to my first race there. We don't live there anymore, but uh, we. We went to Richmond, actually. Richmond was my first race, but I'd love to make it up to Dover. I, I, I just kind of love the Northeast in general. I mean, I, I call myself a Southern person, but um, I would love yeah. to go up there and maybe live up there and venture, venture over to the Monster Mile. Yeah, um, we'd, show. we'd love to have it. Um, love to have it. Lots to do and see around. You know, the track itself, there's a good bit going on with the casino on the property. But like I sort of mentioned, it's just such a quick drive to lots of other things that you can do when you're in town. You know, we have folks that show up with their RVs a week in advance and they'll park and they'll take a day trip to Baltimore. They'll go down to the beaches in Delaware. They'll head up to Philadelphia and catch a game. So there's just a lot to do. Um, you can make a nice little vacation out of a, a Dover race weekend for sure. Absolutely. So much kind of packed into that little area. And like you said, it's kind of a hub for all those Northeastern racing fans. The year I lived up there, I probably saw more racing fans there than I have, you know, here at home and in the South, which is typically considered like the home of, of NASCAR. And it is, but Northeastern racing yeah. fans are, are so passionate and they love, uh, they love their tracks. And I can tell you clearly love what you do. And it's great that we have people as passionate as you working um, in our sport and working to, to bring us a great race weekend um, every year. So we appreciate sure. your work, and, and I appreciate you coming on the show today. Glad we could have you on. Somebody that kind of knows the the inside trade, I guess, the, the tools of the trade and, and how to uh, – they just know what's going on on the inside yeah. on an NASCAR weekend. So thank you so much for was, coming on the show. It was great chatting with you. Let's stay in touch, and maybe we can do this again. Absolutely. Love to have you on.